Well, welcome back. Uh, now we've got this nice, cool fall weather you can enjoy. Uh, I don't know what's happening with this. It's like midsummer muggies that we're experiencing. But anyway, we pretend that it's fall and the kids are back at school and uh, you're doing well. Uh, we started a series last week uh, out of the book of uh, Philippians, and I've titled this series, uh, Be Joyful. Like, this is a command, you know, like, be joyful. <laughs> but uh, we want to see what the Lord has for us as to how does our situation today uh, apply to what God might be saying, and how do we learn from God on how we can be joyful pretty much no matter what our situation is or what situation we find ourselves in. And this is an unusual uh, mindset because, you know, the normal practical mindset would be, yeah, we'll be joyful when things are going great in our lives, and then we'll be thankful. But uh, God has a, a plan for us uh, where He desires for us to be joyful, uh, like in all circumstances, certainly when things are going great, uh, but also when things are just like, you know, regular run-of-the-mill, life in, life out, season in, season out, whether it be the summertime, whether the fall time, whether work's going great or whether it's not going great. And then the surprising part would be, you know, having joy uh, when things are not going great, when it's not the way you would like things to be. I mean, that's the surprising part. And so as we go through the series this fall, we're going to be looking at all sorts of facets of uh, wisdom, really, from the Apostle Paul on how he lived a life of joy, how we can live a life of joy, uh, somewhat independent of our circumstances. But, uh, you know, one of the sort of classic primary ways that we experience God and experience His joy is those, that season in our life when we first came to know Christ. Uh, it seems like God is just extra gracious to us. Uh, he reveals Himself in a uh, sort of a, a greater way where He just is inviting us in and He's inviting us to uh, experience Him and uh, to surprise us with how He loves us. Now, I don't know what your particular situation was, when it was that you came to know Christ, whether you were raised in the church and you've always just kind of known Christ or whether you were a teenager uh, when you came to know the Lord or whether you had some sort of uh, significant uh, conversion experience later on in life um, and then you, know, you came to a realization of who God is, which was my experience. I mean, I came to know uh, Christ when I was 28. It was a a, a total transformation. It was a surprise. I was, I was shocked. Um, I, I, I didn't know that God could be sort of uh, connected with. Uh, it was a new thing. And, uh, you know, again, God in His graciousness just seemed to be doing things in my life that were, uh, like, extraordinary. And uh, as I've come to realize now having you know, being a believer for, for many years, uh, is to realize that God didn't, doesn't continue to work the way He does when we new believers, when we're seeking Him or we like have real questions of a doubt or concern. Uh, there's a sense where God is saying, okay, I want you to grow up. I want you to mature. I want you to uh, lean in a little bit more on faith. I want you to 
realize the past experiences you've had with me, and I want you to move on a bit. But, uh, you know, some of you have been at this church for a long time, so you've heard my stories again and again, and, you know, I'm like uh, repeating myself like an old person. And, uh, well, what do you know? I, I, I guess I'm getting there. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the same old story again and again, because for me, they're still precious. You know, when God would reveal himself uh, in ways that were surprising. Well, when I was, at, you know, in my late 20s, uh, I, I was very ambitious. I, I particularly wanted to make a lot of money. I thought that was the goal in life. But I was also an avid sports person, and I really wanted to play sport really well. And then I had the brainwave of saying, well, why don't I do both? And, and uh, so I opened up my own uh, business, which was primarily to get it started, get it going really well, and then sell it for a fortune, and uh, at the same time, play sport and do the thing I like to do. So, you know, we built and bought this uh, sports center and had 10 racquetball courts for you guys that don't play squash, international sport. It's like racquetball and the gym and aerobics and, you know, all that good stuff, which really had nothing to do with my background because I was an accountant. So, you know, it was a totally new thing. But like when you're motivated by like sport and money, you do weird things. And uh, so that's what I did. And uh, at the same time, I come to a faith in Christ. And, you know, my worldview is just like being pulled and twisted. And, and like the things that I'm passionate about are being questioned. And, and the way I'm going about it and the way I'm spending my time and my money and my energy, everything's just like internally being questioned by me. And I, I'm just just like super uncomfortable, but at the same time, super excited because God's doing all sorts of like crazy things in me. I mean, desires that I had, like things I was really dead against, like getting married. Uh, I now all of a sudden realized that I was dead for, and it's like, how did that switch? Going from dead against to, you know, being totally for it and then getting married and, uh, you know, it's like, wow, God, you're just like, you're changing my whole worldview. And then my business uh, is doing fabulously. Uh, it was sort of like this. It was the end of the summer, and uh, things were just going great. And then the season, like when you transfer over now into a new season, uh, it should have, like, really taken off. And it did exactly the opposite. I mean, it's just like the thing just disappeared. And it's like, wait, there's no logical reason for this. There's no outside. I, I didn't do anything wrong. It, it just, like, disappeared. And, uh, you know, little did I know that God was about to be teaching me uh, a story, a value about himself and about dependence on him. He was uh, way more interested in my relationship with him than what God was interested in me making a lot of money. Now, what a surprise. I mean, most of us would be way more interested in making a lot of money than making a great relationship with God. It's like, okay, God, you know, while you make me rich, yeah, I also want to, like, have a good relationship with you. And God was not into that. And so, you know, next minute I find myself uh, bankrupt, broke, uh, you know, totally without, and no way of turning this thing around. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I do what the Bible says. I'm praying. I'm, I'm like, God, help me out. I, I'm like, I've come to the wits, my wits end. I've given it all my smarts and didn't turn out to be that smart and I'm in a lot of debt, and I realize I shouldn't have done that. And, and you know, I'm just in a bad spot. And I, and I, I remember the day vividly. I'm like, God, okay, I, I, 
I'll give it to you. Uh, whatever you want, God, I'll give it to you. And I'm busy driving to work. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I can picture the place. The sun's shining. I'm in busy traffic. I'm at the traffic light. And then I'm praying. I'm praying out loud. And as I say, I'm going to give it to you. I feel the physical weight lift off my shoulders. And I just start bawling my eyes out. Now, I'm not one that's typically very emotional. And now, I'm, uh, now uh, this whole new experience. I'm in traffic. I'm driving to work. I'm bawling my eyes out. And I can't figure it out. And I'm just like... God, you're into this. I don't know what you're up to, but you're into this. And I literally, I walk into my, my business, and the phone's ringing. And I pick up the phone, and the person says, I want to buy your business. And of course, I'm like, yeah, who, which friend is this? You know, and I can't recognize the guy's voice. I'm like, yeah, who is this? And the guy's like telling me like two times, three times, I want to buy your business. And I'm like, who's pulling my leg? And finally, the guy says, look, do you want to sell the business or not? And I said, sure I do. And so the long and the short of it is, within one month, the guy buys my business. He's a, a, I'm back in South Africa at this point, and uh, this is an American businessman, and his wife is bored, and he buys my business for a hobby to keep her busy and interested, and he, and he pays me cash, and, and, and I'm totally out of the business, and I'm like, wait a bit, God, this is like ridiculous. This is like a miracle, which I can't believe you did it. I was like, broke, broke. I mean, like, I had no answers and no clues and no alternative plan. And you, God, and you alone, God, have bailed me out. This is like no circumstance. This is no coincidence. This is just totally you, God. I mean, it was a, 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 an unbelievable experience to, to see God's love poured out to me. And God wasn't interested in the money. He was interested in breaking my addiction to, you know, fortune and fame. He was very interested in that. But he was more interested in having a way of me being dependent on him and saying, God, I can trust you for anything in all circumstances. Believe me, I was as down and as low and had done everything I could in my own strength. I couldn't sell that business. I couldn't give it away. I mean, you know, I owed a lot of money. And, you know, within a month to be, pay everybody off, be totally out of it, cash, you know, it was like, okay, this is, this is like so unbelievably God. I mean, my connection with God was so strong. And I, and I, I don't know that God has worked that way again in my life uh, because when you're a new believer, you only have a limited understanding of who God is and how God works and what God expects of you. And God just seems to be so gracious in just revealing Himself. And as long as we earnestly seeking Him and desiring Him, which, I, you know, I was. I was I'll do any, anything for God. It's like, God, just tell me where, how, what, how much money, where you want me to go. I, it's like, I'm in. I'm, I'm going. I'll, I'll do it. I mean, that's, that's always kind of been my mindset. But as I've grown up as a Christian, I realize that God tends to uh, re desire that we have more faith and depend on Him and understand His ways and, you know, make decisions which are biblical in the first place and have that sort of wisdom. But there's just tremendous joy in realizing that God is doing good things in you and in me. When I realized that God was like involved in my life and doing stuff in my life, it just brought so much uh, joy and satisfaction. And, you know, today, I mean, folks, you guys that have been believers for a long time, if you knew that God was going to use you in some like significant way. or I mean, you would relocate. You would 
Be a missionary in another place if you knew God was going to be speaking through you and working through you. I mean, we ended up in this part of the world. Why? Because we loved the church and, and we moved to the Framingham Vineyard. We want to just be close to that church because that's where we were connecting. That was where we had life. And, you know, years later, it's like, okay, we still haven't moved. We just started a church. I never thought I'd be doing this, and here I am doing it. But it's just because God uh, does things in our lives, and when He does, it gives us tremendous joy. But at the same time, you've got to admit there's tremendous struggle, and there's tremendous, like, okay, God, like, what are you doing? And, and you know, help me out. It's not just an easy path. But the overarching thing is when God is using us, when God is up to something, it's so precious. It's so exciting. We want to be there. We will move. We'll relocate. We'll spend money. We'll give our energy. We'll do whatever it is that God is doing. Uh, but, you know, there are different phases in our lives. I've, I've, I've realized that. And uh, for many of you, you're just like in the regular routine of work. I mean, you're raising your kids. You're going to work. You're busy. You're trying to connect with God. You do church on a regular basis. And, and you wouldn't say that your life is like super exciting with the Lord. You would say it's just like a routine. It's like, okay, I, I believe God. I'm expecting God to do stuff in me. But the reality is it's, it's not like there's any fireworks. Uh, you might have memories of God doing stuff. But there's still, there's the, in the day in and day out routine of God, God is still uh, working in our lives. And there's still a joy that we can expect when we see God doing good things in our lives. On the other hand, uh, you could be a new to faith, new to this church, and you start off and you're just super excited about what God is doing. And then you have your first sort of roadblocks, your first tests, your first like, okay, there's something ugly happening. You know, there's either an argument or a fight or there's, a, uh, there's something wrong with church or there's some dysfunctionality or somebody like upset you, or you have some reality of like, okay, life is not perfect in church. And that's your first like wake-up call. It's like, okay, I, I'm passionate about Jesus, but uh, why isn't church perfect? And I want it to be perfect. And you're going to go through this disillusionment phase. And that might, be the, that might be where you are today. And all I'm saying is God can still use you, and there's still joy. There's still a sense where God is saying church is His institution run by, you know, failed people. And yet at the same time, God is saying He wants to use broken, you know, sinners, and He sees them as saints. And we just have to start learning this new sort of complex thing. It's like, okay, these are both sinners and saints. The church is both an awesome institution of God, and it's also like filled with people that make mistakes. And uh, it's kind of ugly, but it's kind of beautiful. And, you know, you wrap your arms around and you say, but God is into this. He's into transforming lives. He's into transforming your life, my life, and everybody else's life, if you'll allow Him to do it. And it, it, it's the reality of the process. Now, you can see a certain facet of somebody that needs a lot of transformation. And then you can see another facet of the person's like, man, that's just like totally awesome. It's so godly. And that's the reality of, of life. But there is something great when we realize that God is transforming me. He's transforming you. And He's using you in the process. There's just something super exciting about it. Sometimes I think God is limiting what He does in our lives depending on how willing we are to 
re-engage either for the first time, the second time, or the 20th time. And it's sort of like the encounter that Peter has with Jesus. You know, Jesus says, okay, Peter, you know, I need to wash your feet. And, Jesus, and Peter's like, yeah, I don't want any of that foolishness. I don't want you to wash my feet. I'm your servant. You know, that's humiliating. You know, Peter knows he's got it all figured out. He's got church figured out. He's got fig- Jesus figured out. He knows what Jesus needs to do. And Jesus is like, nah, Peter, you think you've got it all figured out. But actually, you're right. You are my servant, but I need to wash your feet. And then Peter has this realization that, okay, actually, Jesus is onto something. But he doesn't have it totally figured out. And so what does he do? He goes the other extreme. He says, okay, if you need to wash my feet, like, wash, the whole, wash all of me. And Jesus is like, eh, no, we don't need to do that either, Peter. You know, and Peter's just like frustrated. He's like, I'm all in for you, Jesus. But for you and I, we face a similar challenge on a weekly basis. And that is, are we just going to dip our toe into the water? Or do we want to say, Jesus, just use all of me? I'm, I'm all in. And again and again, we're going to have to be asking ourselves that question. Are we all in? Are we, are we willing to be like Peter and say, Jesus, I just want all of you. Or are you going to say, you know, I've had a few bad experiences and uh, I'm just reluctant. Jesus wants us to be all in all the time. And yes, he's going to correct us just like he did with Peter and say, no, Peter, you know, just have your feet washed. That, that, that's good enough. We're going we're gonna to get going. So uh, what, I wanna, what, what I would like you to get out of today's sermon is the sense that God wants to use you in the state and in the place that you're in right now, today. And when He does, there is just this tremendous joy that we experience. It's just something God has just wired us that it's so rewarding that we can be used by Him. And our challenge and our frustration is like Peter. It's like, God, exactly what is it that you want me to do? And how do I understand what it is that you're doing? so that you can use me. And uh, that's our challenge. But when we figure it out, when we see, okay, this is how God can use me, there's something hugely rewarding about that. So let me just pray. Uh, Jesus, we just welcome you here. I just pray that you'd speak to each person here today. Explain to them, reveal to them, uh, whatever the next step is that you're asking for them to take that they can experience the joy of walking with you, of serving you, of being with you, of being part of what it is that you've made them to be and to be doing that. So, Lord, I I just welcome your Holy Spirit just to uh, help me to preach your word, help me to do it clearly, help uh, your words to have power on them and to resonate uh, with our hearts. Uh, In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, last week, we started off this series, and I know it was Labor Day weekend, and uh, I was uh, reading from the first part of uh, Philippians. So let me just read it again for you. Um, and I would recommend that if you're tracking with me, you can listen to last week's sermon online. You can get it from our webpage and uh, catch up so that you know where we, we're going and where we've come from. But uh, Paul starts his letter of Philippians this way. He said, this letter, excuse me, is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. 
I am writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then here was the big uh, sort of point that I was trying to make last week was verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. And uh, the idea here is this. The point I was trying to make last week is this. Uh, the Apostle Paul is onto something where he doesn't want us to just think about people. He wants us to think about them with joy. But it's more than that. He wants us to actually do the hard work that's more than just thinking about somebody. It's praying for them. And start with people that are precious. Start with your family. Start with people that uh, give you joy and pray for them. Don't just think about them. Uh, and the reason that Paul gets so much joy in thinking about these particular people is because they are fellow workers with them in advancing the gospel. They're part of the team. They're working and doing the same thing that Paul wants, wants to do. Start churches, lead people to the Lord, do church, find people to come to church, deal with the conflict in church, deal with the Roman conflict outside of church, uh, and keep at it. So uh, what I want to... Uh, do is uh, continue in this and, and read today from verse 6. So this is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And it says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And uh, let me just read this section, I'll come back. So, it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. But going back to verse 6, there's a sense where uh, we're asking God uh, to do something in our lives. We're asking God to continue what He did when we first started believing in Him, that He would continue to do the good work that He started in us, and that He wouldn't like drop the ball. And so, uh, you know, let me just read verse 6 again. It says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, in context, he's talking to this church. They're struggling. They're struggling between themselves. They've got outside conflict. And Paul is sitting in prison, not a great place to be sitting. And he has this, you know, predicament where he's like, I'm thinking about you, and I'm really joyful about it. And he's encouraging them. He's saying, don't get discouraged. Don't think because he's arguing within the church don't think because the Romans are you're disagreeing with what you're doing and there's outside conflict, don't get discouraged. He said, God, 
God is going to do something. God will continue to do something if you'll let Him. And He's encouraging him, Just let God. Keep focusing on God. Don't get taken out because you're feeling discouraged. Let God. Um, that's His word. That's what He's encouraging to do. And believe me, there's a strong part where we need to be like part of the, the process. And that's what Paul is saying to these guys. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. He's, he's saying, don't get discouraged because God did a whole bunch of miracles when I was with you and I was, you know, doing stuff with you and around you. Now it's 14 years later, and if you look at the outside picture, it's pretty gloomy. It's like this church didn't grow. It didn't explode in size. And I'm sitting, you know, Paul, in jail. It's 14 years later, and this wasn't the plan. This is not what we wanted. And yet Paul is still saying, God is going to finish a great good work if you will let Him. And, you know, it resonates with these people because these people knew the Old Testament Scriptures. And so, for instance, they would be very mindful of stories like King Asa. This would be Second Chronicles uh, chapter 15 and 16. There's a whole bunch of kings, uh, you know, after David's uh, kingdom is divided, and most of them were pretty bad. And King Asa is like listed as someone that's pretty good. And if you read the story of, of, of King Asa, which I, I recommend you do in Second Chronicles, uh, it goes something like this. The guy starts off really well. He, he cleans up the mess. He gets people to like focus on God again. And then things are kind of going well in his life. And when things go well, the dependency for God like reduces. And the urgency for God like reduces. And then some crisis comes up. And in those days, the, the typical crisis would be somebody wants to attack them. And there's some other nation, there's some other tribe, there's some other group of people that want to attack. And then you find that they've been complacent and they're not let, really ready. And this is what happens with King Asa. And then King Asa makes this sort of bad move. Uh, king Asa's like, okay, let me do an allegiance with some other king and we'll sign a little treaty and you help me out. We'll fight the bad guys and, and then we'll be like a, you know, a union. And God is saying, wait, 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 wait. Aren't I supposed to be the one that's going to protect you? Aren't I supposed to be the one that's going to provide for you? King Asa, can't you have enough like faith from all that I've done in your life to be dependent on me? Wouldn't you come to me? And, and you know, King Asa is basically saying, yeah, but God, this one is like, too big for you. You know, this one, I need to get involved. This one, God, you know, like, I need to get like a, I mean, these people are attacking us. They're going to kill us. I mean, this is way past your control, God. You know, let me sign. And that's what we do. You know, we get some sort of crisis comes up in our life. And now all of a sudden, God's not big enough to handle it. And we got like us, you know, our own smarts. Oh no, we're going to get a consultant. We're going to get a lawyer. We're going to get like an advisor. We're going we're gonna to take control of it. God, you did a great job up until now, but back off. I'm in control and I'll take care of it from here. And every time we do that, it's a disaster. And this is the pattern that we see, even with good King Asa. And it's a disaster. And, you know, it's like, you know, we read First Kings and Second Kings and Chronicles. It's like, don't these guys get it? I mean, it's so obvious when they like do the thing God's way, things goes, go really well. When they don't do it God's way, things go really badly. And it's so sort of clear for us reading it that way. And yet today in our lives, do we do that? Do we like say, God, you know, back off a bit. You know, I've got business plans and, you know, I've got my own things. Just 
back off a bit. So uh, if you're following along in your bulletin insert, uh, this is what I want to say here, uh, is this. Jesus began a good work in you, and you don't want to put, I will finish the good work. You want to say, Jesus began the good work, and Jesus will finish the good work. Now, there's part of the problem here is you have to allow Jesus to step up, which means you have to step down. You can't keep stepping yourself up and then expecting Jesus, you know, to push his way in and do it. We, we, we've got to work with God. We've got to do it God's way. So Jesus began a good work in you, and Jesus will finish the good work. Verse 7, it says this. So it is right that I should feel as I do about you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with, a tender, with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul is basically saying, listen, guys, we're on the same team. There's something great about being on the team. And it doesn't matter what role you play on the team, we're on the, we're on the team. There's something great about being on the team. Now, I don't know who's your like hero, whether you're a Red Sox fan and it's Big Poppy or it's you know Patriots this afternoon, first game, and it's Tom Brady. You know, yeah, okay, we'd all like to be Big Poppy, Tom Brady, we'd all like to be the main you know hero. But then as you get older in life, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not really able to do that. I really can't be that. Uh, it would be pretty fantastic if I could just play on the Red Sox or just part of the Patriots. And then you realize, okay, I'm not really good enough for that either. So maybe I can just be a fan, you know, like I'll just cheer for them. And then it's like, okay, even that's fun. I mean, like we go watch the game and we live our lives through them. And when they win, we get excited. And when they lose, we get depressed. And, you know, we pay big money. We get seats. And, and you know, if somebody says, hey, I've got tickets for the game, we'd say, great. Like, how can I get there? Uh, what we don't say is, uh, no, Patriots are playing Sunday, you know, okay, when they play on Saturday morning, uh, then offer me the tickets, and then I'd love to go watch the game, so I'm really a big fan. You'd say, no, I've got tickets for the game this afternoon, and I'm offering them to you, like, do you want to play? Do you want to come and watch? Do you want to be part of the team? And so I say that because of this. We've got another team, and you're part of a team, and we're doing a thing called Alpha. Now, the Alpha is for those that are trying to seek Jesus. They're trying to figure out Christianity. They're trying to figure out, is Jesus real? How do we you know, know that? And we've got this set up that in two weeks' time, Beth uh, Newman is going to be leading this with me, and we're primarily targeting moms of preschoolers. Beth runs a group here called Mops, and uh, we could try and target many of those women that don't know Christ. And so uh, we've printed some tickets here for the game. Uh, it's, it's far better than the Patriots game. And uh, you've got an invite here. You can hand it to any of your friends that are like any age group, but we're targeting mothers of preschoolers. Yeah, okay, if you want one, if you know somebody that you think should come to uh, Alpha, and it is on a Wednesday at 9.45, Wednesday morning, 9.45. Now, I know it's not Saturday afternoon or Wednesday night or whenever else it would be convenient for you, but this is when the game is going to be played. And uh, we would love you to invite your friends or anybody that's seeking uh, relationship in Christ. If you know somebody, Bernadette's got some cards. You put up your hand. And we'll hand out some. They've got some at the back. Uh, anybody that you can think of in the next two weeks, 
when we start to invite them to, to, uh, to this series. It's a 10-week series. We talk about things like what's the meaning of life, you know, small question like that, and, and then another small question like who's Jesus, and another small question like why did Jesus have to die, and, you know, what's the church? I mean, these are big questions, I'm, I'm, you know, and we have a lot of discussion um, around that. But if you've got anybody... What I'm saying to you is this. There's great joy when you invite somebody to a group like this and you take the risk knowing that they might not like it and uh, they might reject you and you risk that and you invite them anyway and then they end up receiving Christ and their lives are transformed. There is incredible joy that you experience. That's part of you being part of the team. You experience a joy that only... You know, only God can help you to experience. So uh, I say that uh, to give you an opportunity to be part of Jesus' team of advancing the kingdom of God. That's part of what we're all doing. That's part of one way or another. The way God is going to use us is advancing the kingdom of God. Now, invitational, in, inviting people to church or to groups is one facet. It's a big facet. But I admit it's not the only facet. You know, part of uh, exploring faith in Christ is how do we grow as believers? Uh, what is it that God's going to do in us? And uh, I do this thing called 101, which is like belong to this church. What does it mean to belong to this church? And we're trying to figure out who are you? Uh, you know, one of the misconceptions people have when they come to church is they're like really great at something. It's like you're you're not quite Tom Brady, but, you know, you're pretty good, or you're not quite Big Puppy, but, I mean, you can swing a bat or pitch, and, and you come to church, and you're like, you know, I, I can do a lot of things. I, I'm, like, really gifted at this, and this, and this, and this, and, and I'm like, great, but you know what? I'm more interested in you. I'm more interested in having a relationship with you. Once I've had a relationship with you, once I know who you are, then I want to deploy you, and I'll, you know, if you're a great pitcher, I'll get you to pitch, and, but... The first step is relationship. You know, Jesus didn't build a team by having, you know, these hotshot 12 disciples. It was more like they weren't that hot, and they spent a lot of time in relationship, and it was through the gifting that God poured into them out of relationship that they became a team. And in a similar way, that's what I want for you here. And the starting place uh, is joining up at Vineyard 101 and getting in relationship. And then today we have the ministry fair, which is the life groups. It's like, okay, how do I get to know people Yeah, How do I get known? Well, join a group, any group, a group, some group. They meet in the mornings, they meet at nights, they meet during the day. Some study the Bible. You know, some are discussion groups, some are prayer groups, some are mission trips groups. I mean, we've got groups for like so many different things. It's like four pages of groups. I mean, there's, there's a lot of groups. I, I looked at the book and I, I said, who comes to these groups? We only have like 150 people. Yeah, we've got like 150 groups. I mean, I don't know how this works, but somehow that we, it, it does. So find one. There's lots of good groups there. So uh, my second point in this bulletin is if you want to be uh, doing what Jesus is doing, experience the joy that Jesus has uh, of what he's doing in you, is be on the team. Uh, it's very hard to experience God's joy when you're working in isolation. Be part of the team. Get on the team. Join a group. Do one-on-one. Uh, and then finally, uh, I want to just uh, point out 
this, that we need to realize that God is up to something in each and every one of our lives. And in verse 10, it says, it says this, For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you will live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's all about, you know, God, can we uh, bring glory to you? Can we serve you? And indirectly, as we do that, we receive tremendous joy. Now, one of the mistakes we have is when we mix business with church. We mix success with faithfulness. God is not asking you to be successful. He's not asking you to be a successful Christian. He's not asking you to have the biggest group, to invite more people to Alpha than anybody else. He's not asking you to be successful. That's a very business mindset. What God is asking you to do is to be faithful. He's asking you to be faithful. And, you know, if you failed again and again and you've tried and, and you've been seeking God and, and you just feel like a failure, well, welcome to the team. I mean, like all the disciples felt like failures. I mean, I feel like a failure pretty regularly. Uh, you, you know what? That's part of the team. It's part of being a Christian. But God is not asking us to be successful. He's asking us to be faithful. You, you know, we don't get to heaven and God says, well done, good and successful servant. <laughs> that, that, that's not the game. It's well done, good and faithful servant. Because all the ability and all the power and all the blessing is because Jesus is great, not because you're great. And our joy and our privilege and our delight is to be used by God and to make Him great. I mean, that's the joy. That's the mystery. That's the sort of secret that is not so easy to explain. It's like the more we acknowledge Jesus and make Jesus great, the more joyful we become. And yet the more we try to make ourselves great, the less joy there is. Because it's not about how good you are. It's about how great Jesus is. So if you're filling in that last blank, the goal is, is the goal success or faithfulness? And uh, clearly I'm saying it's faithfulness. But let me just uh, conclude this way. You might want to ask yourself a question. And the question might be this. Who or what is robbing your joy? If you're feeling like, you know, I just don't have any joy. It's just a bad season in my life. I, who or what is robbing your joy? And once you can sort of identify what it is or who it is, then the next obvious question is, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? Jesus, how can I be your servant despite this? Lord, how do I find joy despite my circumstances? Paul is not sitting in prison saying, man, I, I wish this lawsuit would go away. I wish these guys would give me better food, you know, and then I'm going to be ha happy. He's sitting in prison saying, God, you know, I'm just so thankful for what you're doing in this church in Philippi, the other side of, you know, he's a long way from Rome. And Paul is able to say, this is exciting. God is up to something. God is using me uh, to do something. And when we realize that God is always at work, he wants to use you, he wants to use me. And when he does, whether we're in prison or running around the world, starting planting churches or being part of a Bible study, or part of a group, if we say, God, I want to experience you, and I want to be used by you, we experience a joy that is really super special. 
that you can't experience in any other capacity. I mean, it's great making money. It's great if you, you know, Dell and you buy EMC and you like can change the names of all the buildings and you say, ooh, I'm just like so, you know, $60 billion, look what it can do. I mean, that's great. I'm sure it's a high for him. But I mean, for most of us, it's like if God uses us, it's super exciting. It, it, it's, it's better than changing the name on the building from, you know, EMC to Dell slash EMC. It's just a lot better. So, uh, Jesus, I just uh, thank you. Uh, for this church and each person here. And Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit on your people. And Lord, and you would show each person how precious they are and what gifts you've given them. And Lord, you'd make it really clear what it is that you want them to be doing, whether it's praying or leading or or doing worship or or just encouraging. Lord, each person here uh, can be used by you and each person can experience uh, your joy where we are in the midst of what we're going through. So, Lord, I just lift up your people to you today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.